0: This is Radical Love Life, an ongoing series of podcasts and special events where we explore faith outside the boxes. Hosted by Mark Dilcom and Kelly Wilson. So, hey, Kelly.
1: Hey, Mark. How are you?
0: I am freaking awesome, as always. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It's been a long week, but I am glad I'm here.
0: And it is good to have you here in studio, my dear friend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to
1: getting some uh, information, some inspiration, some. Motivation. I if we'll conversation be able to
0: today and conversation and conversation. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's see if we can't uh, we can't uh, dial that up for you. So. Okay. All right. All right. So before we get started, though, um, do you know what day it is? Um. I know it's Friday. Uh huh. It's not like International Pancake Day or anything. No, like. no, no. But it is January twenty seventh. Uh, the day we're recording this, which happens to be the day after January twenty sixth, and do you know what January twenty sixth, twenty twenty? What happened that day?
1: Oh, we had a little a little event at a little church in Manhattan.
0: that We day. did, yeah,
1: yeah, huh? We sure did, didn't we? That's right. That was our our first live event at the Cathedral Saint John the Divine in New York City. Yep. Um, and we had some special guests. We had uh, The Brilliance was there. Yes. Uh, and they played some fantastic
0: music in that space. They did. They mm-hmm. were amazing. And who else? And we had a couple of special guests.
1: Um, we had uh, Maria Francesca French. Yes,
0: our dear friend, yes. who we love.
1: Yep. One of our great speakers, and uh, Jonathan Tamino.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're going to see John soon. Actually, right. on February 9th and 10th at God After Deconstruction at Drew University. Folks, That's check right. us out on our website. You can uh, uh, link to that and buy tickets uh, through Eventbrite. Come and see that. Uh, so, yeah, we had Maria and we had uh, John. Uh, and you and I uh, talked uh, to That was our premier event. So we talked a little bit about why we were doing Radical Love Live. And uh, that night was the first of uh, what were several conversations we had and I believe that evening we called it uh, "crisis and change." I believe it was the title. Yeah, that me, I can go back and
1: and take yeah. a look at that because it was, it was really when we had first started hearing data about um, what they call like the
0: nuns and nuns and um, spiritual but not religious, and uh, the all of those that um, you know were starting to percolate. And, you know, so while Kelly's looking that up for our listeners that don't know our history, um, so Kelly and I started talking about this notion of exploring faith outside of the boxes, which is our tagline. Uh, Back in 2019, that was because uh, uh, because of actually our priest uh, there uh, in the congregation uh, thought that we should, uh, (laughs) Kelly and I should pair up and talk about that because we had separately, without knowing it, uh, talked about how we'd like to do something to explore faith. And, you know, especially for the people that are nuns and how does, uh, how does the church even begin to engage them in the conversation when they've already left? So he's we like, "We should a... probably define nuns, by the way, we're oh. not, we're
1: not talking about the sisters of, you know, sisters of mercy or, um, you know, anyone who's, uh, in a monastic or a order or a convent, um, None is uh, the term that uh, pollsters have been using specifically around like the um, Pew uh, organization uh, has done a couple of uh, really big landmark studies in religion. And none are the people who, when they're checking the boxes on their religious affiliation, check the box that says none. I have no religious affiliation. So these are people that are defined by their lack
0: of religious affiliation. Yes, well so Just wanted to
1: break in there a little bit.
0: Exactly, and I'm glad you did. So, folks, by the way, our episode, we're going to get into talking about a uh, Pew Research study that just came out this week on this very matter. But back to topic here for the moment, Uh, Radical Love Live, our first episode, January 26th. 2020 and what was the title of it? The premier event it says here in the press release
1: the premier event is focused on crisis and change Ooh, in the right. current religious environment. You really you nailed that one. Got that. Yeah, and it was uh, it's funny uh, just to read the d- description here. Many many traditional religious institutions are shrinking, which is still true four years oh, later. Oh yes. While the religiously unaffiliated, the nuns and duns—that's another category—the the people who are like yeah, I was religiously affiliated, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm out. out of there. I'm yeah, out. are growing into the largest religious group in America, which is interesting. That wow, they're defining.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're bigger that's than, right.
1: They're, they're more religiously unaffiliated than there are. Yeah. any Protestant denomination of Catholics. Um, that uh, or other other religious groups, not mm-hmm. to, you know, leave out non-Christian religious groups as well. Um, so they're growing into the largest religious group in America. Experts report many reasons for this shift from the struggle for relevance to political allegiances to hurtful experiences with institutions. However, people are still innately curious about their spirituality and finding meaning including the growing numbers of the, quote unquote, spiritual, but not religious. And our press release goes on to say that through our conversations and music and that kind of variety show Uh uh, ethos that we were exploring at the time, uh, that we're exploring the heart and future Uh of spirituality.
0: I think we were doing that and we still are doing that. Uh, COVID-19. Certainly had an impact on the trajectory of Radical Love Live in its early days because we did have grand ambition that we would continue on with the live events. Uh, But, you know, we found our footing inside these podcasts, and I think they work uh, just as well and in some ways better than what we had ever hoped. You know, I think back over this past season, in particular, some of the guests that we've had, and, and <laughs> we had some pretty extraordinary conversations.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and maybe um, part of what we should do here now that we're kind of in in season three, yeah, uh, is Woo-hoo! season serve three up, um, some yeah. of our you know be- greatest hits from some of those first couple years of conversations. We should do that. I uh, think uh, our listeners would
0: enjoy that. Relations together or something. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so, and, guys, and, stay
0: stay stay tuned. We uh, Kelly and I have to get to work on uh, creating a uh, Best Of episode of some of our conversations from the past uh, three seasons, or past two seasons, as we go into season three here. So,
1: And if people do want to check out uh, the live events, we do have video of them yeah. on our website we uh, for anybody who wants to go back and see those experiences. Um, we did have a couple of events in the cathedral, which is just a grand space mm-hmm. and we had some
0: fantastic musicians. Mm-hmm. Um Oh yes, right. Remember uh Gem, uh, uh and uh Tosh Neal. Was that yeah. his name? Tosh. Oh my god. Yeah. She did of... a uh, she did an a cappella lament to open uh that event that is absolutely amazing. If you if you do anything, it is the Second episode, as I believe. Yeah, it was February 23rd. Um, It was
1: right. It was the day before my birthday. Oh, right on. There you are.
0: Yeah. A heck of a way. So uh, that was a cold open with uh, Jamette doing that. And uh, oh, wow. Yeah, she's powerful. So uh, please, you know, go check that out, as Kelly said. You'll find actually uh, those on the cathedral. Then also. Because of COVID, we could not do the uh, March event live, or in the cathedral anyway. So we it started a uh, partnership with the uh, Graduate Theological Union (GTU) out in uh, Berkeley, mm-hmm. and so we were um, having conver- we were in uh, we did go into conversation with uh, several of the um, professors, faculty that were there. And so that we did another three episodes.
1: Yeah. And I don't want to miss the one that, um, you know, after the one that we did with um, Jimette Pittman, um, which also included the speakers, uh, Jonathan Merritt and uh, Alicia Crosby. Oh, yes. uh, Talking about marginalization Mm -hmm. and wilderness. Uh, We did another event with um, Aaron Nequist and um, Paul Vasile from uh, the music that makes gonna have to look this up I have to remember. his organization is so cool it's all about just making making music without ma- music that makes community yes um that he kind of like creates songs in the space with yes. the people that are there with in the moment hymnals and the, uh yeah paul is pretty pretty cool yeah um and then we did do a couple of uh um a couple of episodes with uh gtu faculty yep. uh which was great because we were um not only were we broadcasting from coast to coast, we were becoming Zoom pioneers.
0: Yeah, we, you better believe it. Um, is that
1: we also had <laughs> musicians in France and the Middle East. Yes. And, yes. And um, a dancer who was – I remember she, where she was broadcasting in
0: from. Um, she might have been in, in – she, she might have been in France as well. She uh, is a Sufi dancer, which um, – it's rare for women to be Sufis, right? That's a very male-dominated uh, uh, spiritual form. Um, and she did an amazing job. And yes, as Kelly was saying, uh, the singer, she was in uh, France. Uh, the And folks were uh, the musicians that were playing the instruments. They were in different places. And then there was Kelly and me both in, uh, in New York separately, though, because it's COVID time. So he was in his home. I was in my home. And then we had our guests they were in their respective homes so we had right, people. out in like the Bay Area in California right yeah. so we were stretching like actually about 12 11 or 12 time zones mm-hmm. you know from California all the way into the Middle East the Middle East and it was absolutely extraordinary and it and it went it went off without a hitch like it it's it stayed together so it was amazing
1: yeah, yeah it was yeah. those were really cool so if, um yeah Anybody listening to this is curious. Uh, you can find videos of all those events on our website, RadicalLoveLive.com. dot com, and uh, they're they're just really enjoyable. I always get a kick out of going back and yeah. listening to them, or particularly some of the uh, the ad lib uh, conversation. Sometimes I go back and they're like, "Wow, that was oh, yeah. that was really smart stuff that those guys were talking about."
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, folks, if you think, oh, well, you did them four years ago, there's things that are still relevant in this, uh, in those conversations. Oh, heck yeah, they're timeless. So uh, just because they happened back in 2020 doesn't mean that uh, you won't find something of interest in there. And again, because of the kinds of folks that we were so fortunate to partner with um, in that first round of live series, which again then took us on, you know, we, we did take a... It was just too difficult to to keep that up uh, during the pandemic. So Kelly and I put uh, Radical Love Live on ice for a while. And then, of course, we brought it back a couple of years ago. And that's why we now call what we just ended season two. And in January now, we're opening up what is season three. So that's why a little bit difference of time there. But at this point... You know, we see ourselves primarily in the podcast space, and we will do special events like what we're doing um, uh, in a couple of weeks with um, uh, the folks uh, at um, Drew University. Um, Specifically, it's uh, Homebrewed Christianity. That's Trip Fuller. And uh, then Tom Ward's group called the Center Center
1: for Open and Relational Theology. Thank you. Uh, And they're bringing that together. And then there are a couple of other uh, podcast partners that are that are helping them out uh, and the Drew Theological School and there's visitors from uh, Union Theological in New York yep. and uh, there's a visitor from uh, the Baltimore area yep. uh, and uh, uh yeah it'll be good to be back out back out in the the world again I would it's agree. kind of you know opening things back up but it's been an interesting trajectory you know starting off <laughs> that first season was, you know, very much about getting our footing and also kind of just grounding ourselves in, you know, what are what is the state of religion in America right now today? Mm-hmm. What's going on? What are the problems that we're running into? What are the challenges? What are the promises and opportunities? And then, you know, this second season since we came back together, um kind of revisiting some of those topics, going in a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it feels like we're very much there's a push to kind of get out in the world and, and do stuff that it's about yeah. trying to like get into action, trying to find, you know, like we talked about what the problems are. What are some of the solutions? What are some of the, Listen. the, the um, you know, what are some of the actions that listeners can take? What are some of yeah. the organizations that we can get ourselves uh, allied with or you know what are just some of the everyday things we can do to explore the future of spirituality.
0: Yeah, well said. Uh, I agree. We are on a we're on a great cadence and a trajectory. Uh I think it's a very um organic uh yet purposeful. It's not uh uh we don't we don't operate on a rigid um programming schedule or a, or a particular agenda of who we're going to have as our as our guest um they do come to us uh oh as i think they should you know uh uh somewhere between synchronicity and serendipity and there somewhere where that's how we get the uh the the guests that we uh, present to you as our listeners and so you know we're grateful for the folks that do uh, listen in to radical love live and we hope to uh, yeah we'll keep doing what we do here mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to point out in talking this, and for some folks who don't know us well or have not heard our background, Kelly and I are not uh, the um, we are not ordained. So that was the other aspect of Radical Love Live, and it's uh, really the uh, part of its DNA was that Kelly and I are coming at this as uh, and I'm just plain old folks that are just doing our thing and you know we're not professionally trained although kelly is working on his master's and uh (laughs) there's that but but, i tell you some of the greatest
1: religious revelations that i've ever had have been in classrooms and mm, that's what attracts me to the academic side of it which is why um, even when i was an undergrad when i was ostensibly studying theater and creative writing i was taking a sort of a stealth theology program in the background. Nobody knew that I was also studying hermeneutics <laughs> while I was um and str- and struggling with it. The teacher called me a fundamentalist. It was very funny. Um hmm. Yeah, it was it's definitely been a transformation for me. Um but uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but since then, yes, I do um you know, I have taken uh several uh, theology classes, and I just that that academic side of it. I think that there's um, there's a lot of room uh, in our culture for literacy around religion and scholarship, and knowing the history of particularly like the history of Christianity and how many different variations of Christianity have been that it isn't just like one narrow interpretation that emerged in the nineteenth century that <laughs> yeah. a bunch of people latched onto, but that yeah, there's actually um there's
0: oh god uh,
1: you know around the world and through history there've been so many different ways of approaching christianity and i think it's good to know that to know that there's just to kind of like open up our understanding of the fact that we're we're always interpreting yeah and that it's not there isn't just the you know, the bible isn't just like this strict rule book that <laughs> anyway I'm going down a, no, like, I'm like no, starting I, a sermon here you
0: know and the other reason why you laugh just like well yes that's us but there are some that uh, no they actually do think that everything is uh, in uh, is set into uh, the pages that we know and one of the many different versions of the uh, of the Bible but uh, that that is your literal truth okay but to your point Kelly that's the beauty of that faith uh, in particular is because there are oof Probably as many different ways to look at Christianity as 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 followers of the faith, right? There's millions of different ways. Of course, some you know we have our standards, but the point being is that it's a very individualized thing. And to your point specifically about education, um, that's I find that um, uh, sad. I don't know what other word to use because, especially here in the U.S., where we are still uh, entwined with a Christian uh, culture course, we have other faith systems in here, and we need to hold and honor all of those, whatever they might be, but, you know, for what we are. Um, I, to my point and why I'm sad, though, is because I think relatively few people really know the full breadth and depth of the concept of the Christian tradition and how one can really explore the story in and, and all of the different ways over the course of the last 2,000-plus t- years that uh, people have connected to the story. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's extraordinary. I, I am like you. I I find that fascinating, and but that also gives me the in my space to create my own framework of faith, which I'm, you know, I talk about that on a regular basis. It's out there on the internet for anybody to read that wants to read it. It is, my, it is, it's my my book of faith and how I perceive myself as being a follower of this dude uh, that uh, had this name Jesus, right? So what I'm, I what I think everybody to some
1: degree is making their framework of faith whether they know it or not Uh, true. because there's their choices along the way and it's i know it's hard for for some folks to hear i um you know occasionally i go online and i unfortunately engage with strangers in conversation it rarely it rarely it rarely goes well
0: i give Um, you more courage i i don't know if i could do that
1: but okay (laughs) keep going but um yeah I, I was in a conversation yesterday and it was it was about some controversial topic uh you know s- something that's a controversial about religion right now
0: and abortion uh transgender uh, uh right yeah one of military
1: those. involvement in, in Israel ooh, was,
0: okay there's I, that. Can't, I,
1: I can't remember I can't remember which topic it was okay somebody posted one of those kind of all-purpose Bible verses that was you know someday people will, Forsake the truth and they will only want to listen to the scriptures that, you know, make their that are tickling and pleasing to their ears and they'll follow their own morality. And um, it's from from Timothy. This is a paraphrase of the the verse. (laughs) But uh, I was but, curious, I was like, OK, I'm not about a biblical
0: scholar like you, but <laughs>
1: I'm like, is that really like how that goes? Itching, <laughs> itching, tickling ears. Uh, oh, my. You know, OK. Yeah. The oh, we're talking about tickling ears. Autolaryngologists of the first century. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it, but it was one of those all purpose verses that basically said there's only one way to understand things. And everybody else who doesn't understand it that way is a fool. And just pleasing themselves, and I I mentioned to the person who posted it, you know anybody can could post this, like if I was on the far left, I could post this, and be like I'm, we know everything, and you guys are all fools. If I was on the far right, I could post it, and it, because it has no content, uh, it doesn't say anything other than if you're convinced that you're right. You're right. Everybody else is wrong. The actual verse that was posted, I looked at Okay. For the time will come when men will not tolerate sound doctrine, but with itching ears, they will gather around themselves teachers to suit their own desires.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: And that's always what the holders of orthodoxy are saying. They're saying, you know, there's this right way to do things. Um, But I pointed out that, you know, that really anybody could say this and that there isn't just a single there isn't just a single universally understood way of reading the bible no. and everybody else is very often this and the, this person went off and the kind of you know the dunning-kruger effect where somebody th- thinks they're an expert in something when they're not and is uh mm-hmm. the, they kind of over overestimate their own knowledge of something i think that's what i went into because this person then went in to be like well there are no contradictions at all in the scripture and oh really oh really <laughs> yeah they were really they were really giving me a lesson in, in bible history there they, mm. they were arguing that the there were no contradictions in the original languages and i really wanted to I really wanted to find out what their working knowledge of Aramaic was. Exactly. And like, are you fluent in Aramaic? I was just like, you know what? God, <laughs> God
0: bless you.
1: And I walked <laughs> away from the conversation. I don't even know why I was there in the first place.
0: That's a because you're looking for trouble. I bet that's what maybe, it sounds like to me. Maybe, I'm like, yeah, maybe I was just, yeah, uh, uh, spoiling uh, for a fight. Maybe. Uh, are maybe, you a, like a gangster? You know, <laughs> you just like a <laughs> the... spiritual gangster. <laughs> for (laughs) trouble
1: but i say that the whole long story was just to get back to there isn't a single interpretation of the bible there have been a lot of really good organizations and institutions and efforts that have been inspired by the bible and there have also been a lot of really bad institutions and organizations and movements that have been inspired by the bible and every single one of them could flawlessly support their argument Mm, using scripture sure of course which is just proof that it always has to be interpreted And even if there's an interpretation that a group of people agrees to, they've agreed to it. Yes. And there's not necessarily always consciousness of the fact that this could have gone a lot of different ways. I've chosen this one because it sounds right to me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But it's always still still personal faith in the end. Mm -hmm. In the end, it's always still I personally resonate with this and therefore I choose to follow it.
0: True. So I like this. And, you know, we're just uh, having an open, open riffing conversation in this episode. So let's uh, take that uh, for a moment and say there is a evolution. Dare I use the word evolution in this conversation? Evolution of thought and um, freedom, I think, is an appropriate word as well, where we are at a place in time um Where we do not feel we collectively, um, some of us, we um, obligated or fearful to toe the line of what we what we were told is godly or as orthodoxy of a particular denomination or faith structure or whatever inside that house. My point being is that, you know, I look at my folks or family members that I'm at their faith their 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 faith their belief is rooted in some some level of fear right that mm-hmm. there's a consequence a, a very big negative consequence potentially as a result of not staying within the orthodoxy right mm-hmm. and so I've seen the change myself personally in my own self you know for in the wild chaotic roller coaster ride of of my of my own faith journey but it just in general, in this awareness that's getting that's showing up in these studies that people are just like, yeah, this doesn't work for me. It just simply doesn't. It doesn't make sense, and and also people don't feel like they ha- are beholden to a faith that it's going to have, if they don't follow it, it's going to have a like a, a negative consequence on their afterlife or something else. So does that you know make sense where I'm going with all that? That we're at a point now where we can have these kinds of conversations. And many, many others are joining joining into it. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I think that there's, uh, you know, there, there are a portion of people that we're seeing who are, who are resistant to that um, evolution or progression or whatever, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah. Whatever. And
1: yeah. are, you know, are very much hold on to, what they consider to be the orthodoxy of Uh the faith and to the point where they're feeling like, you know, culture is moving away from them and they're trying to preserve a certain way of life. Yeah. And, And I, I try to interact with those folks the way that I would really with almost the way that I would with somebody who's in a completely different religion altogether is to say, you've got your set of beliefs and those are sacred to you, and I don't want to try to punch holes in them or anything. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I want to respect your tradition, and and frankly, you could be right. I mean, it's always faith. I don't, I don't think sure. so. I think sure, sure, be. sure. But, um, the problem is when it starts to when it starts to affect other people. When mm-hmm. there's a smaller group of people who say we want to preserve a certain way of life, therefore we're going to go out of our way to make sure that it's enshrined in law in every state of the country therefore nobody can move outside of this then it's
0: yeah it's going from you know oppressed to oppressor <laughs> oh my absolutely which is interesting that they do find themselves being oppressed I'm like mm, no you're not being oppressed you are trying to subject your your thoughts onto others who do not agree or believe or want to be held to whatever you believe. You can believe what you can believe, uh, whatever you believe, and that's fine. Just don't uh, push it on to me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take us on a uh, on a quick journey here, though. Let's go. So something I was reading just today about um, the American Family Association, um, and they fired one of their pastors over his gay wedding advice because. Um, They, the American Family Association, uh, correlates this to uh, like driving an alcoholic to a bar. So, but let's get the backstory here. Okay. So back in September of 23, uh, this pastor, his name is uh, Alistair Begg. He has a, uh, a had, he's he's no longer doing it. um, A a half hour radio program was called Truth For Life. And in one of the shows, a grandmother asked him a question. Should she go to her gay grandson's wedding if she doesn't agree with his, his, his life and what he is doing? And an interesting re- response to her, to, to her question was like, well, yes, be clear about that. You don't agree uh, with, uh, with uh, his life and, and why he's doing this and that you don't support same-sex marriage, et cetera. But you can go. So uh, I don't I don't know if there's another part to it, like as a protest, I'm going to go, but you know, like you're still his grandmother. So, you know, you can agree to disagree kind of thing like that. Mm-hmm. Well, American Family Association was tipped off, obviously just recently that this had happened on one of the shows that's on their network, right? Because they have 150 stations across, uh, pardon me, 180 radio stations across the U.S. And um, they yanked him off the air this week and they're... They were not, and this is how they addressed it. They said, and this goes to cancel culture as well. uh, So their uh, press release, I am looking for it real quick. Um, They said, Pastor Begg's program will no longer air on uh, American Family Radio. He is an excellent uh, Bible teacher. We certainly wish him the best. Um, but, um, the president of the American Family Association, Tim Wildman, Wildman, W-I-L-D-M-O-N, said, um, in the live event, or in a live segment, the president likened the unbiblical same-sex wedding to a father being asked by his son, an alcoholic, to drive him to a bar, to which Wildman said, said. I'm not going to drive you to the bar. If you go to the bar and you're an adult, that's your decision. But I'm not going to be a part of that. And uh, so that's how they shut him down. And they said that uh, you know we cannot have we cannot have anybody on our, our radio network uh, uh, advocating for any t- any allowance of attending a same-sex uh, union, even if you're opposed to it. You know. And then um, it was interesting. I uh, li- dipped into the um, comments section to your point circling back around oh my gosh the comments section uh it was a uh so they did a poll on here too and no surprise the poll let's see let me do it the question was should a bible believing christian attend a same-sex wedding so i'm going to click on yes And, uh, so, um, I am in the extreme minority, uh, so far, 87.25% or 3,200 plus or minus votes for, no, this should not, um, 6.9% uh, said I'm undecided. And then at the bottom is uh, 5.84% said, yes, I'm one of those. And I've just voted twice because I already <laughs> looked at it this morning. So I'm going to keep hitting it until I change their outcome. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, I, I just found it though that how intolerant they are to cancel culture until it works <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> until, until, yeah. <laughs> until they need to cancel somebody and they're like, oh, they and they move swiftly so
1: yeah that's and that's you know the the religious right has it's very it's very funny they've always been sort of built on cancel culture that mm. um you know think about you know particularly when the religious right. Got very entwined with um, presidential politics in mm-hmm. the 1980s. Yep. How many people you heard standing up condemning this television show or that television show? Like stupid yep. stuff, you know, yep. that they, you know, I remember them going after the Simpsons and the Teletubbies.
0: And, <laughs> oh, and do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Tiki wiki always... was gay, right? Because he's purple. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, but and then, Barney and they were going, Yeah. he was too he was too uh he wasn't masculine enough uh, was, right right
1: but then turning around and being like i'm persecuted because i have to bake you a gay wedding cake and and uh, um yeah yes but i you know i do i do understand on some level culturally that there are those on the right who's, who who and you know, I don't know if right is exactly the the way to put it because that's a very political term and involves you know, uh,
0: maybe there's a better word
1: conservatism or whatever. Yep, yep,, but that there's a certain conservative interpretation of Christianity that says, not only do I need to follow these values, but I also have a certain responsibility for preventing others from breaking these rules that i if I have mm. the ability, to Mm -hmm. allow it then i also should take the responsibility to prevent it
0: like a moral obligation
1: yeah yeah and there i mean there are some who take it so far Mm. as to tie it to our you know national well-being that um you think about you know the um The Pat Robertson's of the world who would go on and say, you know, such and such disaster happened because. Oh,
0: yes. Him and uh, Reverend um, John Hagee down there in Texas would do the same thing. Yeah,
1: that America has allowed this sin or has allowed this sin. Therefore, God doesn't protect us anymore or, you know, something like that. Oh, yeah. So Mm -hmm. people who are who can't, um, you know, if they feel like they have the power to prevent it, that they they feel an obligation to do that, and I I understand that, I understand the feeling. I you know I grew up very much in that culture, and I don't always know exactly what to do with it in the political forum because there's also, you know I look at the Constitution. I'm like, liberty, y'all are shouting about liberty. Liberty does not end with your right to have a gun. Like there's more there's things more to... to also be free about. And yeah whether you believe that they're right or not, you got to let other people make their own choices. If they don't affect you, then just stay out of it.
0: Mm, yes, well, life would be so much boring if people just stayed out of each other's uh, business, though, wouldn't it? Oh gosh, can you imagine? But it's it is hard for me to to
1: to even if I were in a very conservative moral state, it, it would be hard for me to say that somehow grandma is breaking one of the great rules of the universe by going oh, know, to her right. grandson. You know, so like, think right. of it just as his party. Like, him and his yeah. best friend are having a party. You got <laughs> like, what? Right. You know, you can still
0: love them, and mm, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess grandma, though... uh well, that was okay. So, that was a, for the pastor that got himself fired over this. That's what he was saying, even if, if grandma was going to go as a protest attendee. But, um, but yeah, they weren't, you know, the American Family Association, they were not going to have any of that. We cannot, we are, mm-hmm. we're unequivocal. There's a line that shall not be crossed, and uh, grandma should not be going to that wedding. And because you told her that, you're off of our network. So, toe the line, people, toe the line. Wow. You know, mm-hmm.
1: I you know, it makes me think of, um, you know, that there are family conflicts all over, you know, all over the world, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, it's certainly in America and people that I've talked to who, um, because of something religious, have had a break with their family. Mm. You know, somebody coming out sure. as gay, somebody coming out as transgender. Sure. And their family's just like. Get out!
0: Oh, absolutely, it happens. I like can't.
1: Which I don't. I don't understand that. At all. I don't a, understand a, it either. And, but... and as a chi- and as a child of parents who yeah. uh, who are very loving, I don't. I don't get that particular power move. And the fact that the parents kind of put themselves in a godlike position and say that since I believe that God judges you, then I also judge you. And the the fact that those two things intersect it just it's heartbreaking to me Mm. because you know i think of like the story of the um you know the prodigal son sure where there's the son that goes off and spends all his wealth and does things that are within that culture are definitely sinful there's not there's it's not equivocal like he goes out and messes
0: up that's right he was uh he was a party boy
1: and and he does come back and he's you know he says to his dad you know i'm sorry you know it but i don't think that that's the i don't think that's the moral of that story because before the son even gets there when the dad knows that the son is coming he's already starting to throw a party He is. He's like, get the fatted calf. We're gonna throw a party. My kid is coming back. He didn't even know if the kid was repentant or not. The kid was the same defiant moment. kid. And correct. that, to me, is a huge lesson about family and about unconditional life. love. Yeah, and not even letting
0: those, not even letting religious conviction get in the way. Correct, because he could, he could have easily created a. Uh... Or uh, performed uh, mortal uh, sins or whatever that, uh, according to the orthodoxy of the day in their in their culture, would be blasphemous and you would not touch that person. Yeah,
1: you could come back. Yeah, unclean, unrepentant, Mm -hmm. defiant. Mm -hmm. But the father's love was so much. There's this like, welcome back. Yeah. I'm gonna have a party for you, <laughs> and
0: yeah. then his brother was very uh, not happy about that.
1: Right. Well, yeah. And then there's the that there's the story. Is he's like, come on, Dad. I've, I've been here the whole I've been time. here the whole time, and you're gonna do that for him. To, <clears throat> um, but I but I I just say all that to to go back to Grandma. Is like, <clears throat> what what's a grandma doing judging the situation anyway? Like, if, she's not God, <clears throat> so even if even if this were a sinful situation, which I don't believe it is, but even if it were, even if, who's she? That's correct. To step into the role of judge rather than to step into the role of loving family.
0: So is it to them? Um, so all of the comments that I read, which I didn't complete the thought there. Yeah, they were obviously in favor of what it uh, the uh, the wild men had decided to do. They're like, yes, tough decision, you know, but you had to you had to of, m- cut them off yeah you had to cut them off <laughs> and um so there was there was no mean-spirited comments you know there wasn't like you know i hate gays or they're gonna burn in hell or anything else like that it was simply that we it, it, there was a, a the sense that we we will not participate in this sin mm-hmm. and we simply will close ourselves off i thought mm, okay well i I, I, is that, is that judging or is that not judging? What is the, to your point that, how can it not be judging? Because you've determined that this was sinful nature, right? Yes?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. She said this, like, it sounds like part of her premise is, I believe this is wrong.
0: Mm -hmm. So she had judged.
1: But on some level, I want to be
0: supportive of my. Mm. Yeah, my even if I'm going to be a uh, a protester or whatever, I I don't think that was a, I'm making that part up. I yeah. I don't know the facts uh, if she was going to be there to to cause trouble, but she she did want to go it sounded like. So Yeah, yeah. And it's she was on the and, and, anyway.
1: and to me it seems very Christlike
0: to to go. Okay, so there were a couple of comments about that which they talked about the wedding at Cana and a few other References, uh, biblical references are like, well, wouldn't Jesus actually like, go anyway? Yeah, and it wasn't across the board with these comments again. I, you know, if you want to go find it, just Google American Family Association and mm-hmm. Fire pastor, and you can go read the comments, uh, folks, if you want to know all the gories on this. But, uh, it was it's it's interesting to see that because uh, you know, it's a it's easy it's a uh, not easy it's a common refrain to hear you know uh the only the only only thing that can judge is God right we're not to judge but yet here we are judging and you know is judging bad I'm not sure that it's bad like I don't you know I think about do I judge mm, sure I guess I do right I don't know how well, I... well sure I mean you've you,
1: you got a sense of good and evil and, right you know there are certain <laughs> certain people in um you know certain people in history that you look at and you go yeah. i cannot forgive that person. you know that person is evil right um you know and that's that's sometimes you know we often talk about the threat of hell and damnation on on the show and that's one of the arguments that people make for the idea of some kind of if not you know, some kind of punishment or justice pu- or purification ritual or something is that we as humans crave justice in the face of evil and that, you know, on some level we look at people and be like, well, that guy can't just like go straight from here to heaven. Of course, that makes a lot of assumptions about what the afterlife is like anyway.
0: That's uh, making a lot. that. would agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: But... But the idea of, like, that person can't get off scot-free. Uh, there has and, to be some re- some
0: pittance paid for this. Yeah,
1: yeah, and there's whole debates about that because, yeah. um, you know, on one hand, it, this conversation is wandering all over the place. Uh, but it is getting into some of the, the very reasons that people are leaving institutions mm-hmm. is that there are a lot of people who look at this kind of traditional um, Dante version of heaven and hell. <laughs> which, also, which also worked its way into like Bugs Bunny cartoons is like oh, absolutely. If, if you're bad, you, you know God's like the big Santa Claus. Like if you're good and you're not on the naughty list, then you get a prize, and if not, you get burning
0: coal forever. <laughs> well, so in that in that simplistic term, I for as a kid, I used to think, you mean so my prize for being good is I get eternal life with all the people that I have known or yet to know or anything else. And like, in in, so I, I, I didn't know what eternity, you know, I couldn't really, you know, get the context of that as a kid, but certainly as you know, later he's maturing and stuff like, Oh my God, I don't want to spend the eternity with anybody except for maybe myself. <laughs> it's like what, eternity, like forever, like for forever, forever with with family members who I don't like. <laughs> well, you know, and I actually i, I had some I joke, of those I joke,
1: but... <laughs> some of those issues as a child. I remember sitting in church and hearing about, you know, we will be able to spend eternity praising God, and I'm like. You mean and we're gonna spend eternity here in church. church? I'm gonna wear this itchy wool suit for the rest of time. Oh, yep. And we're gonna be singing like this lady next to me who's singing like the shrill, slightly sharp, off key <laughs> harmony to this hymn that's five hundred years old. I'm gonna who, be thinks doing that. She, who she thinks she's Maria Callas. And I'm like, <laughs> and I, she's I I, you know, so what was motivating to me then was not Callas. was mm-hmm. not the promise of Eternal life joined with God and joy. Like I didn't, I didn't have any sense of what those things were. I really didn't know the fullness of God and love and joy. So I was motivated purely by fear. I'm like, I might be bored for the rest of eternity, (laughs) sitting in church with you know Mildred singing next to me, but (laughs) but I'm not gonna go to hell, and that's. It was only. Wow. It wasn't until I was an undergrad, um, and I was in a literature class where we were we were talking about Dante, and I just I dug in like crazy with my you know fundamentalist evangelical self, and the the professor was um, I can't remember he was he was from one of the mainline denominations he was uh, uh, Episcopalian or Methodist or, or Presbyterian or something we we. We're meeting privately and I was talking about religion and wanting to make sure that I was good and pure. And and he stopped me and he said, You know there's more to the Christianity than avoiding going to hell, right?
0: <laughs> and it was like, it's this, like ding, ding It was
1: like the scene in Jaws where, yeah. you know, the bring in the camera on Roy Schneider's face and just like what? <laughs> <laughs> And it, it set me on a whole different trajectory of looking for, like, what is the positive side of Christianity? Because I, I think there's millions of people who are practicing Christians who have no idea what the positive side
0: is. I would agree, which we have been that's been running through the theme of this is like I, 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 mm, Bible study is not uh, a education in Christian tradition and faith it's not it's all it is is bible study mm-hmm. but we mistake that to be a study of of the faith and to your exactly to your point what are the i don't know the upsides where is the where's the winningness of this and, and but it's driven so much by fear that i would agree most people that are doctrinal will they'll like, go oh, well i just do it because that's uh, so what's going to keep me saved
1: yeah it's the the um the term that i've heard in kind of um, deconstruction circles or evangelical circles is fire insurance,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, it's fire like, insurance. I make yeah.
1: sure that I publicly declare that I have a certain belief system, and therefore, yeah, when I die, I will be spared the you know, the torturous fire. That's right. That's Dante's hell. That is not a promising way to live. I know it sucks, and it, you know and it, it set me on a course of finding out more about uh finding out more about what uh you know what Jesus actually taught about that you know if you read the gospels like he's not he's not talking about salvation so much as he's he's he preaches primarily about the kingdom of god yes but when he's talking about the kingdom of god he's not talking about Heaven. He's not talking about no if you do this someday you'll get to go no. live in a gold house somewhere and nope. nope. have a heart and live on a
0: cloud. No, because because it could be right here. It's here in the moment. That's
1: what, yeah, it's like, it's like a set. Of, like right here. A set of values, a set of principles, a, a, an affiliation. That was, you know, when when people start saying Jesus is Lord, that was an act of protest, because up until then, they were required to say Caesar is Lord. Yes. And to say Jesus is Lord is to be like, I'm citizen with like an entirely different community world that exists right now.
0: Which to that, that's why studying the history of and getting the context of makes a tremendous difference in one's faith. And, you know, I'm not here to advocate for somebody to be a faith or not. That's that is a personal uh, journey um but we live in a culture and in the species that we are as homo sapiens we will ask these kinds of questions that trigger faith and spirituality it's just the, it's just, we're wired for it right doesn't mean you have to believe anything but i it's this conversation we're having and like so many that we've had in the past both in the original live series bringing it back home that way and what we do now with the podcast series I like to think that we are educating folks to expand their horizons and thinking about faith and hearing different voices express the way they think about faith so that whatever faith system somebody does build for themselves, which to your point, everyone does have a framework of faith, whether they know it or not. And it is individual that they consciously are they 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 have they chose what works for them and what makes sense and what connects and what you know all of that like oh yeah this makes sense even if it is something that is not a part of any one particular system i don't think you know i'm I, I say this a lot because of um uh and it turns out this is kind of a uh, not a it's not an uncommon term to be spiritually promiscuous mm-hmm. um first time i heard it was because of uh, alicia uh crosby Mac, who we love right and she she calls herself that and i was like yeah that's me too Um, But I am spiritually promiscuous uh, within, you know, the the stories of Jesus because I like him and I identify with him. Um, I'll call myself Christian reluctantly um, only because there's just so much baggage on that word. Um, But I, you know, I, I tune into some uh, Buddhist uh, uh, thoughts and and other traditions. You know, it's it's like. It's, you know, there's the, they all have a common thread inside of those, anyway. So, how you know, in, in my search for that and, and on this journey, it's been really kind of awesome. Uh, and I guess what I'm saying is that you know, I hope everybody does that because it's worth the time if for anything else there's a fulfillment that I would hope, um, folks would have like what I do because this is my wholeness is driven by that. And because honestly, um, I think one needs to do a lot of existential thinking to be whole. I just I don't know how you how one can't do that. Now, you know, right, you got to ask those kinds of questions, you know, you know, how do we get here? Where are we going? You know, what purpose do I serve in life? Those are all those existential questions that are worth asking and finding out, you know, how can I carve out, you know, this this the space and time and do what I can do to make it a better existence for me and for everybody else around me. I guess that's kind of it. So, okay. yeah.
1: You know, it's it's interesting. I'm looking at the um, this oh, article yes. about the the nuns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, that say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that talks about how the the group of nuns is growing, and one of the questions in this article from Pew Research that is one of the clarifying questions. They list a, a number of questions that then allow the reader to dig deeper into the the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll make sure to link to this article yeah we should yeah uh, it it says are all nuns non-believers and the answer is no not all nuns are non-believers right they are far less likely than religiously affiliated americans to say they believe in god quote as described in the bible but most do believe in god or some other higher power just 29 percent, and that's, I mean, that's fully a third, It's you know, one and three, mm-hmm. just 29 percent reject reject the notion that there's any higher power or spiritual force in the universe.
0: So it's interesting that there. OK, say there that people, one more time, because that's, you know, and uh, let's preface this. I think the majority of folks uh, live in the binary of you're either a believer or you're not right, even though there's that spiritual not, uh, but not religious, which is a, a, a third way but this 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 research study really kind of blows this open and says no there is not a binary here with what the nuns are so go over those stats one more time
1: so what this says is that they that the nuns are far less likely than religiously affiliated Americans to say they believe in god as described in the bible
0: mm-hmm.
1: but most do believe in god or some other higher power <laughs> So the looking at the numbers here, of the religious nuns, right, thirteen percent of them describe themselves as believing in God as described in the Bible, which okay. is interesting.
0: Thirteen oh. percent, even though they say they're a nun, but yeah, thirteen yeah. percent still believe in a biblical God, right? Okay, right. And I do, th- I do. I,
1: one of the Facebook conversations I was following about this this morning pointed out that there may be some people who go to, um non-denominational kind of like mega churches who are all about like, we're not of any denomination. We're not Baptist. We're not whatever. Who oh, may consider themselves not Done. religiously affiliated. Oh, sure. Cause they're like, I get, you know, I got yep, yep. direct phone line to God. Um
0: But that, wow. that might confound this. Okay. Uh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: kind of okay. like people who are, who vote Republican all the time, but call themselves independent. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or fair enough, Democrat, because I did that for years. I was just like, I'm not going to, I'm not affiliated with any party, but you knew what, you knew what level, mm. what lever I was pulling. Of course. <laughs> uh, 56% mm. of the, of the religious nuns, the religious unaffiliated, 56, mm-hmm. more than half of them still believe
0: in a higher power of some sort. Wow. God or some other higher power. Okay, so we got thirteen percent who believe in a uh, biblical god. We got fifty-six percent that believe in something.
1: Yes, yes, and I, I really want to dig into the sub data to see how right. how many different descriptions of something there are. Right, um, and then a twenty-nine percent, um, which is you know nearly a third, don't believe in a biblical god or any other kind of higher power. There's Just, like, that like true atheist.
0: Okay. But that's a much less, uh, well, uh, it's a lower number than what I would believe. And I think that in general, what we would as a as a culture would believe, because we atheist in that word and its use really started only within the last 50 years. A lot. Right. You know, with the with folks like Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and uh, Sam Harris and others like who have really, you know, Written a lot about it. They've talked a lot about it. So they brought the word into a vocabulary that we and like, and that's what you know. We then we hear, oh, well, if somebody doesn't attend church or or because they didn't know what else to use, and it's much like saying when you're a Christian, like, well, you gotta call yourself something, so you come up with what's available. Right. Which also, (laughs) I. I love how I could always go back to this one uh, favorite uh, quote of mine uh, from John the Tammanil, which is uh, one's atheism is only as good as one's theism.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. And there is that great, uh, uh, there are some critiques of the, um, you know, Hitchens and Dawkins of being sort of like, um, (laughs) there's uh, one philosopher, Mark Johnston, who described them as undergraduate. Atheists that just that
0: they're that's kind of a burn, yeah, very
1: (laughs) very shallow. Yeah, Um, which is not to say that you know if somebody is a true atheist and has gone through all the Mm -hmm. the thinking and just can't see the possibility for the divine, Mm -hmm. if they've done all that thinking,
0: I respect absolutely more power to you, and I'm glad you did that 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 journey. you and know, that's what and I, your decision is? Yep, yeah, fine. You know, and I and I get it. Totally.
1: I, I feel like I get it. Like I, you know, a lot of my belief and faith is based on some irrational stuff, like stuff I have. <laughs> yes. And I don't see and I, and I don't mean to see that it's just like crazy stuff that I'm holding on to, but like feelings that I have. Absolutely. experiences that I've had yep. that are to me undeniable, that I can't can I can't deny the yep. the evidence of my senses just because I can make a rational argument that it was Absolutely. that it was something different. yep. Um, and this is the path that works for me. And it's I, I actually have tried to go outside this path, and there was a point where I just had to admit I'm like, i'm I'm a Christian. I didn't even want to be. And I was like, this is this is my culture. this is my my home. This is what makes sense to me. I have great respect for other belief systems. And if that works for that person, I'm not gonna come in and be like, you know what? You're totally wrong. Cause I don't know that you're totally wrong. No. I don't know that I'm totally right. And because of that, I have to I have to respect them. We're all just journey journeying along and trying to do the best we can with what we know. Yeah. Um where was I going with all this? Oh, oh going, no, this is a great I, talk. I keep going. Oh, I was going. just going down, down this on, road to, the say, to say that I'm not bashing atheists in this right. by any means. Um, but to say that it's interesting that among these nuns, that even though religious institutions have are not appealing to them or have let them yep. down, um, there is some commentary here that says that most nuns were raised in a religion.
0: So I, saw I think that.
1: it's often some kind of reaction, yeah, to, that's a reaction you know, type, and yeah. the, the list, you know, there's a million think pieces out there about why people are leaving churches. And, oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it usually comes down to some kind of like hypocrisy or. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, that it's.
0: Or they see their their queer friends, especially. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, queer being the umbrella of uh, anything that's not hetero cisgender. And they see them being bashed and they're like, I'm not going to tolerate my friend or my or a family member be bashed by uh, by these folks. And they're just like, I'm not doing this.
1: Right. Right. So there's um, those there's intolerance and, you know, weird political affiliations and weird stuff with money.
0: Oh, there's that. These (laughs)
1: lists go down. But for whatever reason, the religious institutions have. In some sense, let them down. But there's still a craving for the spiritual there's still a Mm. craving for some sense of divine whatever it is and that to me is is surprising but it's 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 interesting to then think about what this means for the future of spirituality where spirituality will go when you've got a bunch of people who are like you know what these institutions every time you put it all in a box and you get a committee running it, they screw it up
0: they're going to muck it up.
1: That's right. And you know, and eventually they're going to hitch themselves with the government and then it's going to really go bad. (laughs) This is all the way back to
0: Constantine. It's done that. Okay. So you bring some truth. All right. So we're landing (laughs) the plane folks. This has been a great conversation. If you have stuck with us this far, God love you because we have gone all over the place on this and it's been a fun conversation with that said, um, I think we can uh, start bringing this uh, episode to a close with the notion that there is much more to be learned about um, nuns and that it's a very diverse uh, um, group uh, that cannot be put into one silo as has been done. I think you and I, even four years ago when we first started on this and we were looking at the research, saw nuns, and then we saw spiritual but not religious, and those things were two completely separate things, which they are not at all. That they actually are, there's tremendous intersection if they're not actually the same in some levels as a category, a very large, large category there. And that also your point that you just brought up that there's a, there's a, just a, um, a natural yearning to to explore. Um, and it is the systems themselves that are the issue more than anything else because, as you said, you put a bunch of people together in a committee and <laughs> uh, problems happen. So. That's right. That's right. It's, and, uh, you
1: know, I hope that as this research continues, because there are a lot of people who are fascinated with it, certainly people who are in the in the business of religion, whether they're in, you know, churches or, in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, academic institutions, or just care about this this part of life, that we find a positive term, much the way, you
0: know, we are talking oh. about atheism, because what atheism just means is like, not one of those people who believe exactly. in God. Exactly, all it means and, is that you don't have atheism, that's it, it doesn't mean that right. you don't believe in God, but we've made uh, it that, yeah.
1: but. It, but we could find a, a you know, if that's a negative version of it, you know, by defining something by what it's not, what's the positive version? Is it humanist or is it, mm-hmm. you know, is there a positive term? And the not same true. for the, the religiously unaffiliated yep, yep. are being defined by what they're not. Yeah. And it would be interesting just to start to categorize them by what they are. What is it? Is it your, you know, independently spiritual or, you know, is there a <laughs> name for... This particular way of life,
0: Mm, I would imagine there probably is. Maybe we should, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because what because what it does is it says being religious is the norm, and these people are outside the norm. But they're the majority. You know, they're the biggest group.
0: So I'm gonna throw a term that I use for myself. I mean, it's not a one word one word thing. But uh, are they in wilderness by design? Hmm. Mm. that's interesting it's mm-hmm. sort of like the mm-hmm.
1: bear grills mm-hmm. method you know mm-hmm. <laughs> we are exploring
0: the wilderness because we right. like it that's right that's what I like doing I like being out in the woods man so um, yeah that could be mm-hmm. um I like that let me do my own thing man let yeah me carve my own tra- uh trails yeah so yeah yeah well I think that that's
1: um that's an interesting path and I would love to hear um if any of our listeners have ideas about yeah. better naming conventions uh, hit to, us up yeah find us on on social media at, you know we're at Radical Love Live on uh, Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. and the artist formerly known as Twitter <laughs> yes um, yeah let us know what you think well Kelly what a great conversation yeah yeah this has really been it went a lot of different places I it didn't think shorted. it was going to get but um, um, but this was a lot of fun. I feel like it got a lot of, got
0: Indeed. A lot so, folks, uh, uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode. You know, as Kelly just said, find us at RadicalLoveLive.com. You can watch those live episodes we were talking about this episode. We'll throw up uh, that uh, poll uh, in the notes on the website for this edition when it comes out as well. So look for that. It'll also be out there on your favorite uh, podcast in our in our episode summary. So, All right. Onward and upward in season three. Yep. And uh, again, if you're
1: in the uh, New York, New Jersey area, um, come and see us and the God After Deconstruction event uh, in Madison, New Jersey, February 9th and 10th. Yes. Um, You can get uh, tickets through Eventbrite. You can find out some more information about that on our website, RadicalLoveLive.com. Yep. You got it. Okay. All right. We're done. We're out of here. All right. Happy anniversary.
0: Yes. Happy anniversary. Thanks for listening to this episode of Radical Love Live, co-hosted by Mark Dilcom and Kelly Wilson. All rights reserved. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and other popular podcast platforms. Go to RadicalLoveLive.com to learn more about us, watch recordings of our live events, and listen to our podcast. We also invite you to check out what Kelly and Mark are doing by going to our websites. Find Kelly at kellywilson.com and mark at markdilcom.com. This is Radical Love Live, where we explore faith outside the boxes.